Hi, I'm Farah. And I'm Toby. And you're listening to Minority Retort. Today we're going to be talking about Mad Max, released just this year, 2015. Yeah, Fury Road, so I forget. Oh, Mad, Mad Max, Max Fury. Fury Road, not the other Mad Max. No, no, exactly. So this is a bonus episode in Minority Retort. Mm. It's not really part of the you pick one, I pick one yeah, thing. Exactly. It's just something we both actually really want to talk right. about. Just to issue a spoiler alert, we assume you've watched the movies as we spoil all the plot details. So if you haven't watched the film and would like to, come back to us after you have. So this movie is... Uh, it's, it comes 30 years after the, the last Mad Max movie, which was Beyond Thunderdome, released in 1985. And George Miller, who's the writer-director and created the series, mentioned that the script for this movie was completed in 2003. Wow. It's not as though he just woke up last year and decided, oh, I'm broke, let's make another movie. He's been thinking about it. And I, I'm curious to know what you thought about the movie. I mean, have you seen the first few? Because I haven't. No, and frankly, I probably wouldn't have stepped into the cinema if it hadn't <coughs> been for all the talk about Charlize mm. Theron, um, right. who plays the Imperator Furiosa. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the plot is that she is trying to escape this warlord yeah. who has got who has some sort of um, monopoly on yeah. all the water yeah. Yeah. and all the resources. So I, I guess she her role seems to be to go to this place, is oil oil city or something of that nature, and to bring back. I guess, resources, oil, perhaps, yeah. fuels. It's kind of like a, a, a military mission, the way it's sort of, you know, set up. I, I couldn't actually tell whether she was trading with them or if she was going to fight I th- them. I think she's like a high-ranking official, in right, my opinion, because right. she was given orders from the beginning to like these war boys, these weird little sort of dusty... W- well, they're mittens. white, which yeah. is very interesting, <laughs> right? That they that the main villains of this movie are completely yeah, white. Yeah, true, true. I, actually, I wonder what that means, actually. That's a good that's a good I actually point. have a lot of theories about it. Oh, um, yeah, but just to finish the plot okay yeah so um imperator furioso is played by Charlize Theron. he's going to get this oil or whatever and turns out that she's carrying something else in her truck Ooh. and uh and she devi- deviates from the course and then we have a chase movie that ensues and a very hectic one as well so what did you think of the film uh i actually loved it i thought the visuals were really gorgeous the plot was intriguing the chase scenes frankly like it's really not my thing but i i did i wasn't actually bored and um i actually went with someone who really didn't like the film and and thought it it wasn't the kind of feminist film or feminist sort of like take back civilization film that she wanted it to be yeah and she wasn't intrigued by Charlize theron but i think actually one of the things that kept me in the movie was my really deep emotional connection with Imperator Furiosa and the way Charlize Theron played her. What about you? I I enjoyed it. I I must admit that I slept through a bit of the last (gasps) last 20 minutes. (laughs) They just kept driving and things kept happening kept yeah, driving and, things and a kept lot happening. of the same exactly. action yeah, happening exactly, sort of exactly, like they like, came to the side yeah, exactly. and you were like okay we get it like <laughs> they're going to come and try and like knife your wheels so yeah, exactly. get out of the way exactly so yeah. um, that was the only thing that you know I that, that didn't really grip me but in general I was very impressed okay what I want to talk about mm. f- maybe first is the kind of vision it had mm. f- of that future because I can't really explain my reaction to the movie without mm. Um, yeah, painting what I saw. So, I mean, what I the way I interpreted that movie mm. was that this is kind of what white masculinity looks mm. like when it's completely gone wild. Neo-Nazi, you know, heavy metal, gun, car worshipping kind yeah, of masculinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, nothing outside of that is present. I thought it was such an interesting and, and insightful look into what it would look like if yeah. those forces sort of ran wild in our society. Even down to the way kind of women are dressed and the way women are treated. Mm-hmm. I love that they showed these rooms with unwifeable women, right? So mm-hmm. the women that didn't look like models yeah. kind of just sitting there and like Using having their milk. breasts... <laughs> 
being produced. I mean, it's horrible, yeah. but I thought that was a, also an interesting kind of commentary on how we treat mm. animals for mm. our own consumption. True. It was. It wasn't afraid of being grim. No, it's very grim. No, it was very grim, and it and was it's appropriately grim because you cannot you cannot portray a post a future like this without being as grim as you can get. You know, yeah, to, like, exactly. to a point. I mean, of course, you could be grimmer than that. You could be you know torture porn but it's not that yes I love that there wasn't a torture a torture <laughs> porn aspect to this I thought that was really smart and I guess what we could sum it up is, is it was intelligently grim it was actually looking at the future and thinking okay what would happen to women mm-hmm. if this kind of masculinity took over mm-hmm. what would happen what would happen to our culture what, like what would we worship what would we value and mm-hmm. it was basically saying that what people value is this kind of ideal of dying for um, some sort of patriarch, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the complete worship of the patriarchy yeah. and the complete devaluation of your own life and your own relationships. Um, and so the Nicholas Holt character, the kind of young boy who yeah. kept kept trying to kill, impress, Im- yeah, impress, Im- the, impress the patriarchy, yeah. he, he eventually is able to sort of connect with what actually matters to him. Yeah. I thought he was a kind of example of, of how to be a good ally to women, right? Yeah, so yeah. you don't have to make it all about you. Yeah. You actually sacrifice yourself to the cause. And same with Max, right? Yeah. He never once took over the movie from Imperator Furiosa. Actually, mm. she was the main character. Mm. And then at the end, he leaves, right? Yeah. So he doesn't ask take to over. share yeah, yeah. power with her. I read it in a, in a similar way, but I, I to me, he, to me was the conscience of male failure. One of the reasons he helps in, you know, Imperator Furiosa is because he's aware of the fact that what she is fighting against is valid. Even if most of the men in, in this society in some way are beholden to the idea that, you know, a patriarchy exists and should exist, he's not like that. Yes. You know? And and the way he walks away at the end of the movie, if, he's not even going to try to step in and say, well, let's give us another go. I think the movie actually yeah. really tries to make the point that it's not men. It's mm. actually this kind of masculinity yeah, yeah. that can be embodied by... Yeah. Men, I mean, I mean, Imperator Furiosa got to where she was because she was successfully embodied it. Yeah. But but masculinity is also tied to being a man. So if yeah. you're a woman and you can reproduce, then you're automatically sort of like shunted into this other role, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's what the movie was also trying to say. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious to know how this fits into the history of Mad post-apocalyptic Max. movies in right. general because you look at this and I can see touches of movies like, you know, Waterworld, even like movies like Near Dark. It has a certain, this, the same dusty feel that everything is depleted and I don't think it's new imagery in a way. It's familiar imagery. Mm. But I think what's interesting is that they've added new concerns i can definitely see that there's a clear environmental concern that feels more poignant now than it did in even a movie like Waterworld, which the earth is depleted it's desert there's probably it's nothing salt. growing yeah you know there's got these these gust storms that basically you know are, are like cyclones or yeah it, it's broadening the fact that climate change is not just about ice caps melting it's a lot broader and more diverse than that i don't see any animals around i think they've yeah. all gone i mean and and i think the solution that okay yeah. women kind of the low on the lower rung of human yeah. beings become yeah. basically yeah, exactly, animals exactly right? exactly yeah. you know one thing I noticed was um, Immortan Joe, who's the tyrant, mm, the mm. leader, he seems to be living way past his use-by date. They seem to be pampering him just to keep him going. Um, and to me, there's a fear of death, even in his name, Immortan Joe. Like, yes. It's, 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 it's suggesting that by not understanding nature in all its elements, not just the environment, but also our own immortality, mm. 
or our own, sorry, mortality, we are, in some way are doing disservice to ourselves. Yeah, and also I guess if you took that further, we're doing disservice to the earth. To keep him alive, literally everybody around him <laughs> has to sacrifice their bodies, their lives, the blood. Their, their blood, their their wombs yeah, yeah, yeah. to this one man. Yeah, and so yeah. you do, I mean, actually watching the movie, you actually question, like, what is the point of this society? Like, mm, what is the mm. point of living if this is the life you're meant to yeah, lead, right? Yeah. And I also liked the way they r- incorporated that kind of consciousness with the wives so mm. if you do if you remember at the start of the movie mm. he walks into the wives chambers yeah. and there's graffiti everywhere yeah, yeah, like yeah. will my sons i don't want my sons to be warlords yeah, yeah, yeah. you who killed the world yeah. like you killed the world and and i really like that because well a graffiti is like one of those much maligned actually tools of building consciousness yeah, yeah, right yeah. and you could see that it, it, this wasn't just like luck like oh we were just like walking through the desert and suddenly imperative for is like mm. hop on board you know like, it's, this it's, is women it's, it's, this is a social movement right, actually that right. was happening so what did you think about the wives why why in this day and age do we have women wearing makeup when they're like trekking through the desert why like it's so yeah. fear infuriating and yeah. they don't have hair no. like come on give me a break yeah. like that at least halfway through the movie have the makeup be smudged or yeah. have like yeah, exactly. dirt on their face that was annoying you're gonna make him look pretty <laughs> for who i don't know at least charlize theron wasn't like kind of wearing high heeled boots yeah, and yeah. like a little crop top you know at least me, she was dressed appropriately something. do you think that it's a comment on the type of woman you need to be to quote-unquote have power that you need to some in some way fit a masculine image because of her short one she's got she she's not i mean she's got a crop top type thing but it's you could argue that it's as it's as quote-unquote sexualizing as you could get for her mm. what what is what is the point of that is is that is that a necessary part of the culture that she lives in or is it just a way to allow us to as an audience in 2015 to accept her as a powerful individual mm. um i thought i thought a lot about charlize theron's yeah. character i actually like the way she was portrayed because mm. I, the the shaved head and and the rubbing motor oil all over her face and mm. all of that stuff i think that is as realistic i mean she couldn't get to the top of wherever she was in that mm. society Mm-hmm. by wearing like a pretty dress right <laughs> but i i really connected with her character i f- mm. i thought from the very beginning mm. her face showed this kind of anxiety mm. and sheer like i honestly thought there was like this sheer terror mm. in in her face mm. on on the weight of what she was doing and she maintained that without being boring mm-hmm. you know so the first time the truck stops she gets out and she's trying to make a deal with the dirt bikers mm. she's she's terrified before she steps out and i think that separates her from the kind of masculine ideal of like the power woman or mm-hmm. like people read her as like this anarchist lesbian figure mm-hmm. she brings depth to that character by showing that no she is she does have emotion she mm-hmm. does want family she does mm-hmm. want redemption she wants the same thing that mm-hmm. mad that max does well she it seems like what she's doing is not abstract it's it seems like it's relevant now in 2015 because emotionally that's maybe what the world looks like now Yeah. You know, psychologically maybe that's what the what looks like now and and anxiety is what we feel now or what maybe we should feel now. And yeah, and maybe that's why may, the coupling of this kind of yeah. strange social justice yeah. message with action works so well because we get to see characters really fighting and struggling mm-hmm. for what they believe in and mm-hmm. and actually in the real in the real world we can't do that. Like we can't just be like, okay, to save the world, I'm going to take this car and drive it and fight people and 
when I reach the end, yeah. if I've won, then I've won, right? Yeah. Social justice struggles in the real world are just this endless slog against this horrible machine, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, you're right. Like that coupling gives that the social justice idea some sort of like um, physicality, like some that fight some sort of physicality, and and you can see it rot in her body and her face. It was an actual struggle, yeah, and yeah. we saw her go through the struggle from the very beginning. Do you think the film is going to impact the way people think? I don't think that this would actually change anybody's. Okay. Mm. I think it's infuriated some men who mm. do not agree with the politics of it. Right. Which is very heartening and <laughs> nice to hear. What are they saying? Um, men's rights. This is from the Independent. Mm. .co.uk Men's mm. rights activists have called for a boycott of Mad Max Fury Road describing it as feminist propaganda and bemoaning liberal Hollywood's attempt to undermine traditional masculinity The film which stars Charlie Theron as a bald-headed warrior alongside Tom Hardy's Mad Max has been criticized because Theron appears to bald. have more lines and screen time it's than Hardy like short hair. It's not No bald. way you <laughs> said that and that's exactly what they're talking about It's funny that people think that the, the masculinity portrayed in the movie is healthy. I mean, there's I, a reason why these guys look the way they do. They, they look unwell. So how can you celebrate that? Are you celebrating, you know, in, you know, in Morton Joe? And I think their complaint is also like that they're against the idea of a woman leading this crusade against masculinity. I mean, do they really believe a man's going to go and take someone's wives and like run away? I guess the guys who are, are making the complaint see themselves in Mad Max. So they don't actually see themselves uh, in that kind of like yeah. weird uh, uh, out of control masculinity. But mm. but what they don't see is when for example like oh they're upset that Mad Max is getting orders from Imperator well, Furiosa is yeah. well isn't that what happens? And if that didn't happen, then you are going to get to that yeah. other point. As I was saying before, I think Mad Max is an apology wrapped up in a human being. And That's I think such they an don't, interesting, I think yeah. they don't, I don't think, I think they don't respond to that very well because they see him as apologizing for the failures of masculine culture, right. which he is, I and, believe. And they see him taking a step back, right? Yeah. And saying, okay, I'm actually here to help you. I'm not here yeah. to lead this crusade yeah. and take yeah. over. Yeah. I'm not here to save you. And, and the point yeah. is, you know, it's not about saying, one gender takes steps down and another takes over. What about partnership? What happened to partnership? Exactly. What happened to you know two people working together? You know, it's not about one taking over the other. The idea that he takes orders and thus the relationship is all skewed doesn't make sense because I think what he gets out of it isn't necessarily like power or prestige. What he gets out of it is like okay, he's he helped somebody in their fight and mm. he actually got redemption. Mm. So when what imperative you are so. Furiosa was offering him when they were all going to get on the motorbikes and he said no I'm going to go my separate way now and then he decides to join them what she was saying is like here's your chance at redemption mm. I'm giving you this I'm letting you into my fight mm. for your own reasons and and you can do it for your own reasons yeah, but yeah. why would he then take over mm. it's her fight yeah. right he has nothing to do with it he, he had no he had no investment in, in ending this yeah exactly <laughs> he just wanted to be <laughs> alone a couple more things um, just quickly I, I forgot this part of the movie but you mentioned that she uh, Imperial Furiosa mentioned that she wanted to redeem herself from what? Was it redemption from from sort of buying into a certain culture which she thought would help her get ahead or what? What I'm so confused about yeah. is actually her role and, and her motivation. We get that the wives weren't asked to join. Mm. They begged to join her. Mm. Okay, So we know that this wasn't something that um, she was doing for them. It mm. was for herself. Yeah. We know that she wants redemption but what, at what point did she realize that, no, this isn't what I want, right? Mm. So d- did she rise up the ranks specifically to then kind of escape? Did, yeah. Surely she could have escaped at some point with a lot less kind of baggage and uh, eyes on her. Yeah. I mean, the fact that she escaped when she was like this head honcho person, you know, yeah. with, with, with a bunch of the 
war boys hanging off her back mm. the entire. I mean, that just doesn't make sense. I mean, what it, was it, the? It does motivation? make sense to me because I think she she opted for social consciousness versus self preservation because she could have she couldn't do what she did if she didn't have access to the truck if she didn't have access to all these people who she could take orders could take orders from her for a period of time. Mm. It's a statement. I mean, by by sort of depriving this man this tyrant of what he thinks he prizes um wrongfully by the way she's she's more than just freeing them she's making a big statement you know that everyone else in the in the, in the community can see and can probably get behind if they really sw- sat down and thought about what was going on you know yeah but it, it, but then it's interesting it, that she it's risky but it's she chose to save the wives, right? Yeah, versus... But not the women who were sort of kind of having their life sucked out of them by, like, by, you know, continuously producing Mother's Milk, for example. Mm. I, mean, but, I mean... But, but, but Joe wouldn't care as much. It's, it's confusing because we get also the sense that the wives wanted to leave. So yeah. it wasn't if she, if she came to them with the idea and then they were like, okay, we can get on board with that. You know, yeah. they had been begging her to leave. Yeah. At the end of the day, we need to accept that uh, this movie is... We'll never know. Is, no, this movie is a, is a man's way of dealing with his own gender's failures. And it, it'd only right. be able to deal with it in a certain way. And this would be different if it was written by women, by feminists perhaps. Um, and this is just as good as it can get, I guess. Written by George Miller and two other guys. Right. So, so what do you... Ex- I mean, you... We can't expect too much. I mean, I really did get a sense that this was a movie that was empowering to me as a yeah, woman. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't a male fantasy yeah. of women lashing back, which yeah. just eventually is there to get his rocks off anyway. <laughs> this was something where women actually did something for themselves and then came back and you get the sense that they were going to create a more just society. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I thought the movie was brave in that the climax was to return. I think what it is, it's saying that there really is no escape apart from fixing. You know, you can destroy yourself or you can mm-hmm. fix yourself. And to fix yourself, you cannot do anything but go back to where it all originates. And it's, that's why I think the film is realistic. So you know? if, if this is it's about... It's not escapist. In, no, it's not, not escapist. at all. You're, and you're so right. That, yeah. That's such a good point. And, and that really fits in with your theory about this being some sort of uh, parable about... What did you call it? The failure of masculinity? I think so, in some ways. I do think so. What do you think that they're suggesting is the solution then? The solution is really, as I said before, a partnership. The core pairing of Mad Max and, and Imperator Furioso is a partnership which is a give and take because there are times when he does do his thing. Yeah, absolutely. His thing, which is the whole go out and kill a bunch of people and come back with blood in your face, but <laughs> you've helped out. That's his yeah, contribution. Absolutely. And I was just remembering all these details. Yeah. Like, for example, when they're driving through the desert yeah. looking for the green space yeah. and they see that naked woman, again, superfluous naked woman. <laughs> Why? Why? But anyway... Um, uh. hairless hairless naked woman um, <laughs> and, and he's like it's a trap it's definitely a trap and yeah. she goes and she knows it's not a trap yeah, yeah. and that's kind of like look you know women have this knowledge that, that men can't. don't yeah, exactly. like he had been he has been so used to taking care of himself that he doesn't understand when a friend is yeah. like offering their hand mm-hmm. He can't escape the sexual nature of what that lady up there represents right. to him. Right, and she was actually supposed to be representing kind of empowerment, yeah, right? Yeah, like to, to her, it's like, oh, naked women. Of course, they want me to come <laughs> over there and like <laughs> do something. <laughs> yeah, <try>. no, absolutely. <laughs> and, I, um, and I also think that his biggest contribution was actually saving her life. Like, yeah. um, he actually kind of men- healed her, yeah, 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 didn't yeah, he? Yeah, and that's so different from the kind of way we would traditionally expect a man to, to step in and, mm. and quote-unquote save the day. Mm-hmm. So there's just so many little 
elements in this movie that are actually so yeah. so if not not if not 100% empowering then really refreshing like yeah. you just don't see that yeah, yeah. you just don't see it now the last thing I want to talk about is the form like what did you um, as I mentioned before the film has a period where it sort of slows down up to that point the movie had proven itself to be this attempt at being assaultive visual mm. audio art you know mm, mm, mm. Um, yeah so it really was art yeah yeah, it, yeah it, to the extreme like so uh, I, I was just curious to know what you thought about it. I mean, how did you feel experientially? Forgetting the themes and all that, you can. Move I thought it was really beautiful. Yeah. Actually, I actually the start of the movie when they're introducing Mad Max and everything, the 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 form was really different. It sort of just dove in and mm. had these kind of semi cheesy graphics, <laughs> and yeah. you at first you were just like, "What is happening?" Like I this didn't is like those. You mean you mean like I didn't? I wasn't a big fan of the voices and yeah, the images he was seeing. I mean, at first I was like, "This is incredible." Like if the movie's gonna be like this, this is this is awful. But because the rest of the movie and the graphics were actually really gorgeous, yeah, yeah. I thought, okay, maybe this is this is something that knew they're trying. Mm. Like maybe this was intentional that they were kind of assaulting you with this weird cheesiness, mm. and then suddenly you get sucked up into this. Mm. Your expectations are almost like lowered, and then mm. you're like, mm. wow, this yeah. is actually amazing. I, I don't think. Know. Some, what about you? Yeah, sometimes I think movies do that, or I think I think that. The first few minutes or first 10, 20 minutes of a movie is really to teach you the language of the movie. And I think it's there to make you realize that this is what you're going to be watching. Mm. Images coming at you, sounds coming at you. Yes, and it it doesn't pause. There's no like kind of overview of the land. It's like boom, 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 boom. And same with the chase sequence. You start with her driving off. You know, it's it's incredible. Like, yeah, immersive, immersive and beautiful. beautiful. also like the detail there's things that don't need to be in the movie like the guitarist guy it was eerie to me it was creepy but it was also it had this fervor to it this kind of like military fervor you know I mean to round off our discussion I mean that's what I think of when people describe it as a spare movie where I felt like there was 60 hours of stuff that mm-hmm. they narrowed down into 60 hours I'd say hundreds of hours hundreds and hundreds <laughs> I mean just the world itself the little flash to the greenhouse yeah, do you yeah. remember that yeah I do. <laughs> yeah like suddenly you see and, and you never go back to it mm-hmm. you know and you just need to understand that there's like all these things going on behind the surface mm. but we're really just looking at this one pivotal moment in this society's history mm-hmm. almost the last thing I want to say is that I was trying to debate whether or not the movie could have been tighter it was a bit bloated I still felt it was it the had action a scenes of, were, were really yeah. bloated and I, th- I agree you know, yeah um, I guess I wouldn't have wanted as much action but I would not have actually wanted him to add anything else. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe just if the movie was like, yeah. what, 10 minutes shorter or something, that would have been great. Yeah, I'd recommend this movie. Yeah, me And too. I definitely am keen to go and check out the first three. Yeah, and in terms of a good film, I think it's one of those ones that so beautifully melds form and function and um, ideals yeah. in a way that you can actually feel quite viscerally. Yeah. It's not something you need to think through and yeah, um, yeah. ponder over. True, true. And that's all we have for today. If you want to find out more about our podcast, you can go to our website, minorityretortpodcast.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. We'll probably be up on Stitcher Radio and a few of those other platforms as well. You can also find us on SoundCloud, SoundCloud, so Minority Retort on SoundCloud. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.